Before or after this podcast, go check out Built.com. If you are looking for a snack bar that is high in protein, has delicious flavors, and is made with 100% real chocolate, then this is the place for you to go. Use Brie Davis 10 for discount at checkout. Have you been trying to start a fitness routine, but you just can't get in the hang of it, or you're not really sure what to do every day? Well, go check out GrownStrong.com, a program created for women by women with an active, supportive online community, as well as options for a 20, 40, 60, or 80-minute programming, starting from beginner all the way to elite options. This will help you reach your goals by getting 1% better every day. Finally, maybe you're trying to start a workout, but someone is using the timer at the gym, or you need a portable one, small enough to fit in your pocket, but large enough to never miss a round, then go to gsgotimer.com. It has a magnetic back for convenience and comes in many fun colors. Hello and welcome to episode three of Dr. Brie Davis, the podcast hosted by me, Dr. Brie. But to pretty much everyone other than a few of my patients, I just go by Brie. Maybe something you didn't know about me is that I have grown up passionate and immersed in science. Science experiments, starting in science club back in elementary school through um, middle school to high school. Back in the day, my early sciencey little nerd Brie days, I made it to national science fairs and was really excited about just immersing myself in the field of science. So this jump started my life goal of gaining knowledge and information and my love for learning new things and trying to figure out something even if I didn't know it or know how or why it worked. Maybe it's a little bit of stubbornness wanting to have this knowledge for myself, but also my passion to want to be a leader and help others with the knowledge or information that I have gained, as well as encourage them to learn and explore as well. So knowledge is power, information is liberating, and education is the premise of progress. Here's another quote. If you are not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you are determined to learn, no one can stop you. I absolutely love this because I feel it is so true, humbling to know that there's so much that I don't know, but also makes me hungry and excited to learn as much as I can. The older I've gotten, I've realized that I don't have to try to learn everything for myself and that as long as I'm willing to learn and be open-minded, that there are tons of people around me who are willing to teach me and willing to collaborate with me and share, just as eager as I am to share with you guys all of the things that I know. So today I wanted to talk about my most recent research and that I wrote my thesis on for my doctorate of occupational therapy. I do have a book available if anyone is interested, and this I submitted for copyright and printed for my thesis as a supplemental resource to just help people learn about what my thesis was on. My book is called A Movement Toolkit, a compilation of movements and activities to enhance physical literacy and assist in improving movement integration. If anyone is interested in it, I can send you an online version or a printed version. So just reach out. My contacts will be in the show notes at the end of the show. Also, before getting into the science, I just wanted to thank all of my amazing teachers along the way who have helped me, my thesis mentors, and my parents for putting up with me um, and supporting me with my science and exploration as a kid from making giant science boards, having mice in the house, or I guess technically there in the garage frogs, ants, and fish probably along with that, 
but you didn't know it was going to shape me to who I am today. So thank you. I do have my senior Bachelor's of Science Motor Behavior Research project as well that I will talk about one of these days, and that specifically had to do with our ability to balance. So our skill of balance, our body's ability to improve our proprioception and our body awareness through a variety of methods and tools. I'm also looking at this in careers that are more physically demanding, such as we looked specifically with our firefighters in the community, collegiate athletes, dancers, and then just the everyday CrossFit athlete. Anyways, back to my doctorate of occupational therapy research. The mission of the mission of my thesis and book was that by creating and increasing education and understanding of movement and its benefits and how it improves our brain fun- function, the hope was that it would become a motivation for people because it's something that now they wanted to do as opposed to something that they're told that they just should do or that they have to do. For kids, but also adults, I like to talk about the ultimate goal of it being fun, us having fun with it. I like to think of myself as an adult, but then again, I keep wondering when I'm going to feel grown up. So I think this applies to all of us adults who are basically kids at heart. So if our movement is fun, there's going to be this positive perception and outlook being created toward it, whether it's toward our movement, our fitness, or our exercise. And thus, this creates continued participation and adherence to these daily activities throughout our life. So fun can be supported and created through good scaling, being successful, and just finding what motivates you um, or your child to participate in movement. Specifically, I say child because I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into how this impacts children and their brains in their development. Other goals I had with this was to include education and movement integration benefits. So increase everyone's kind of physical literacy to ideally impact our futures and our entire life and just to help create healthy habits to maintain that wellness, health, fitness, well-being, and quality of life. Final goal was to get kids and participants moving well. I wanted to create opportunities um, for them to be able to learn and develop good movement and good movement mechanics and techniques along the way. So I'm only going to delve a little bit into what my book has, but on page three of my book, it states, and this is from Plato, in order for a man to succeed in life, God provided him with two means education, and physical activity, not separately one for the soul and the other for the body, but for the two together. With these two means, man can attain perfection. Also, I just wanted to mention before moving on, all of these book resources and studies that um, I'll talk about in this podcast are available by request. If you contact me, my information again is in the show notes below. So what does this mean? Well, Through movement, we can see so many benefits, not only to our physical body, but our entire being as a whole. So you may be like, Brie, but why should we move our bodies? I want you to have this information to help you on the days that you're feeling like you have low motivation or you just don't want to, or maybe you aren't really focused on physical or the performance end. This is why we should move our bodies anyways. So physically, we can improve skills like accuracy, strength, agility, stamina, speed, balance, cardio, coordination, endurance, power, and flexibility, along with some other things. But what about beyond the physical? Do you guys ever wonder why after you exercise or after you move your bodies, you feel better? Or maybe you feel like you're in a better mood or you have more energy? Well, there's science behind this as well. But to start, many of us know that exercise can improve and increase our muscular health, skeletal health, 
cardiovascular health, so basically our lung and heart health, but it can also improve our brain health, the way our brain functions, and our mental health as well. How does this work? Well, in short, exercise increases our blood flow, which then carries oxygen to our brain, which then helps in our brain to release positive and helpful neurotransmitters and hormones into our brain and into our bodies. A few things that these hormones and neurotransmitters do is to increase our capacity to learn, increase our energy, our attention, our reaction time, our mood, our self-esteem, our cognitive abilities, so how we solve problems and make decisions and think creatively. It improves our memory. It can reduce anxiety and depression as well as increase our immune system, so our body's response to fighting off sickness and disease. So if you listen to my previous podcasts, you remember our term, our health, wellness, fitness, and sickness continuum. Moving our bodies can help us move in the right direction on that continuum as long as we're not overtraining and we're using good body mechanics to avoid injury. So studies show, which I think is super cool, that exercise, daily exercise and movement can actually help combat sometimes better to or equal or in collaboration with some pharmaceutical drugs for certain things like ADHD, depression, and anxiety. And then down the line, it can help decrease our chances of Alzheimer's and other memory-impacting diseases. So I want to go into a little specific nerdy end and briefly talk about a few neurotransmitters and hormones that release in our body during exercise. If this is not your thing, then just skip forward a few minutes and you don't have to hear all of this. But first, serotonin. Serotonin is known as a happy hormone and helps influence our mood. Dopamine is also sometimes known as a happy hormone, and it helps with regulation, has calming effects, improves energy, and improves our satisfaction. Norepinephrine improves our arousal and our motivation to task. HPA improves our body's ability to deal with stress. BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, increases our memory and our concentration as well as is sometimes known as our fertilizer for the brain. So it directly impacts and improves our ability to learn and memorize new things. There are many more that I could talk about, but I will save um, that for another time. So for my thesis, I really wanted to see the impact that exercise and movement had with children in the classroom and learning settings. Children learn so much through life and through their world, and they're just so malleable. So as adults, we have this responsibility for setting them up for success and by introducing them to routines that they can carry with them throughout their lives that will help them improve their success and their overall quality of life. So starting off, I want to talk about what was the children's health epidemic like and still like. Specifically, some of these stats are directly collected from 2019, however, and the beginning of 2020 when my thesis was submitted. So recommended daily activity and physical activity for children is 60 minutes a day, or at least in moderate to vigorous intensities, to include muscle and bone strengthening. The general recommended daily physical activity is about 60 minutes a day with at least moderate to vigorous intensity for children. But interesting fact about schools, recess is not required in many states, including Oregon and Washington. Oregon's physical education laws had required, but it's still not at 100% adherence, that grades K through 5 get 150 minutes a week. Grades 6 through 8 receive 225 minutes a week, and a high schooler 
had to get one credit hour. Washington's physical education laws had required, but was still not at 100% adherence, with grades K through 6 and 7 through 8 students getting 100 minutes a week of movement. And high school students was at two credit hours. So you think about this, spreading that out across five days, and the whole time there is school, that really is not that long of a time. No wonder our kids have issues with sitting for so long, or they wiggle in their seats, or they have these behaviors that don't allow them to pay attention because they are sitting in a seat for so long. Our bodies weren't made to sit for that long. Our bodies were meant for walking. If you think about primal level, our bodies were meant for hunting and gathering and surviving and traveling across, ter- across terrain and fighting off things that were trying to eat us, like bears and tigers and <laughs> coyotes, stuff like that. We weren't made to go to a classroom every day and sit down for multiple hours on end and expect our brains and bodies to be at primal function during that entire time. So the epidemic, obesity had increased by 400% in just 30 years. One third of our adult population is obese, which impacts the lifestyle of our youth. 13.7 million children are obese and Percentage-wise, that's about 18.5% of the population. 70% of children have one, and 39% of children have two of these obesity-related effects. Decreased life expectancy, increases chance of diabetes, hypertension, sleep apnea, hyperlipidemia, and cardiovascular disease. One-third of our children born after 2000 will develop diabetes. One in five school-age children are obese. 92% of elementary schools don't have year-round physical education. During this time, we also increased our importance of standardized testing. So after 2001, the No Child Left Behind Act, which had its benefits, but also resulted in 40% of schools reducing recess for increased instruction and learning time. In 2018, the U.S. spent $344 billion on obesity-related healthcare costs. Again, for a different episode, but really thinking about how can our healthcare system transform what it's doing today to instead of treating these diseases and things that have become onset, how can we just prevent these altogether? How can we really improve our preventative care to not even get to this point? Anyways, continuing, increased screen time with nearly eight hours a day on average, was spent on devices such as phones, tablets, TV, video games, or computers, therefore decreasing physical activities and the time that children were spending outside. 85% on average, a child would spend in a sedentary position during their day, which I'm currently doing research and data collection on, but with the impacts of COVID, the precautions, social distancing, and shutdowns in the world with kids' fitness classes, sports, and schools going to online learning, this number only increased, as well as has created some technology-based addictions and behaviors in our children today. That's for another episode, but as a pediatric occupational therapy, I have resources and strategies to improve it, which I want to share. So, classroom benefits. Keep in mind, this isn't specific to only children in the classroom, but this can work for adults and our learning as well. Maybe how we perform at our jobs or our careers or how we can just better ourselves and help us learn and teach our kids. I was joking with a parent the other day 
the child, my patient, he came into one of our therapy sessions and was trying to teach me how to do math. He was showing me one way and I definitely knew another. So that's an example of something new I could learn. Also, a lot of my kids come in and show me these cool new TikTok dances and how to work the new filters and add different songs and all of these things that I did not grow up with. So as a parent or an adult, these are other things that we can learn that our kids can teach us. So here's some positives. Here are some fun facts, studies, and statistics that show the benefit of exercise and movement. Students performed with more success and attention when participating in exercises during lessons as well as when they got quote-unquote movement breaks. Test scores and learning abilities increased following exercise. So for example, in one study, participants learned vocabulary words 20 times faster after exercising than they were able to before exercising. This directly correlates with the success and increased BDNF levels in the brain. And in similar studies, when exercise programs were withdrawn, student scores plummeted back down. Neurological benefits improve even when exercising with others, especially our peers, because that's fun. So pairing our natural human desire for connection, community, and belonging can also have its improvements. Children who participate in physical activity are more likely to do so as adults. So we're supporting a lifelong occupation by increasing this skill, which will overall improve their quality of life. Increasing education surrounding fitness and not just simply sport can help better teach and support healthy habits and skills to increase active lifestyles as opposed to sedentary ones. Less than 3% of adults over the age of 24 stay in shape through sports-related activities, and thus their overall activity levels begin to decline then because of the lack of knowledge on fitness and exercise outside of sports-specific activities. Children who have higher fitness scores also have higher test scores. They have an increased ability to identify visual stimulus, allocate more of their cognitive resources, and stay on task longer. The brain pays more attention to stimuli that is considered interesting, unpredictable, fun, or motivating to the participant. Therefore, this increased attention leads to better encoding of information, therefore better learning. So really thinking about what's meaningful to us. Is it fun? Youth identify exercise as meaningful when it encompasses the social interaction, challenge, positive competition, fun, motor competence, achievement, and learning that it is personally relevant to them and that they can be successful. Therefore, by figuring out what motivates our youth, it can provide direction for implementing specific designs for physical education, activities, sports, and the experiences that surround these that could have these lifelong effects in participation and commitment to physical activity and lifestyle. So, for example, maybe your group of kids is super obsessed with the new Spider-Man. Why can't you play Spider-Man tag? Why can't our movement breaks be Spider-Man related? Find something that they like and just go with it, and they're more likely to stick with it. If you feel like your imagination lacks a little bit of these skills, something I like to do is ask them. Like, hey, we're going to play tag today, or we're going to do some planks today and try to crawl across the room. Who should we be? Should it, should it be superhero? Should we be animals? Should it be Paw Patrol? Finally, exercise can reduce muscle tension and help to calm the body and brain, supporting sensory regulation, therefore behavior regulation, modulation, 
And especially for students struggling with this in a classroom setting where they're expected to sit for long periods of time and behave. So tying this into my occupational therapy end, what's the partnership? Why does occupational therapy partner with movement integration, physical activity, and exercises, specifically with schools and children in learning settings? Well, as a doctor of occupational therapy and bachelor's of exercise science graduate, as well as a fitness partaker, specifically a CrossFit athlete, a CrossFit kids staff trainer, I see parallelism between the two. I'm taking my personal education as well as my personal preference of of participation in CrossFit to use um, the two to support this toolkit that I created in the book, as well as my continued kind of passion and motivation to improve kids to move. So although CrossFit doesn't have to be the primary focus and influence, it was one of my major ones in creating my book, as well as my current lifestyle as a therapist, as well as a kids coach and just a leader and advocator for this in our world today. Both occupational therapy and CrossFit promote meaningful exercises, target client-centered goals, motivations, obtain an increased health and wellness and well-being. They ultimately try to improve better quality of life and longevity. They both focus on preventative actions, like moving well and good body mechanics, as well as compensatory strategies and adaptive actions like scaling or grading activities to give opportunity to all athletes and populations to participate. Both pride on the just right challenge per se, so the ability to do those scaling and grading activities, promoting health from birth until death, and creating independent and successful functional movement are mutually significant in both, specifically focusing on not only the general population, but also some of our at-risk populations as well, or our specialty populations from kids all the way to our geriatric population. Also working with injured athletes, some of our adaptive athletes, and women in their pre-, during-, and postnatal journey. So specifically tying this into the book, if you're interested, or just some of the information I gave you today. If you're a parent, if you work with kids, if you're a babysitter, a teacher, a therapist, and you're not really sure what to do, just start getting kids moving, and I bet you'll see some improvements in some of the things that you want to see. In the movement toolkit that I have available, there are pictures, videos, examples in the books of activities and games that you can use to help kind of spark your creativity in getting yourself moving, getting your kids moving, getting your family moving, or just getting them to listen and learn better. There is over 180 movements in my book that come in a variety of different exercises and modalities. There are different ways to teach these movements and different standards, so please keep these in mind. The movements in the toolkit range specifically from functional movements, accessory movements, speed and agility, gymnastics, stretching, yoga, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, and much more. My primary influence, like I said, has come from CrossFit, but this is just one of my personal preferences. Benefits, like I talked about, from movement and exercise range from physical, cognitive, mental, social, emotional, and much more. Inside the book as well, there will be lists of specific benefits, specific equipment, and the specific category that I put them in next to each exercise. There are two categories in the book that I use to help with our space need. So maybe you're a teacher in a classroom and you need students to stand by their desk and you can't have the entire room. Or maybe you're going grocery shopping with your kid and you need to stand in line versus run around the entire grocery store. So in this book, there are little icons that either say stay in place or need space. 
And this just signals how much space you need for this movement or activity. Finally, there is beginner, immediate, and advanced icons that specify where I think these movements fall. And this can just help you scale or grade the activity. So you're giving individuals or kids or yourself if you're starting the Just Right Challenge to experience success first and build upon your skills. Having this opportunity to improve is essential to growth. The positive outlook toward fitness and keeping it motivating and fun is something essential to the longevity of continuing to do so. If something is too hard or too easy and not scaled to one's abilities, this can hinder their participation in movement. So not only at the movement specifically or during that class period or during that activity in class, but for the rest of their lives. If they lose their confidence in doing it and it was a negative experience, well, most likely, we're not going to do that thing again. Thus, it's important to have options to scale up and down, as well as be able to develop the ability to do this on your own through observations. And of course, remember, children, athlete, your needs vary case by case. I guess overall, most importantly, I just want everyone to remember to not be afraid to just give it a try. If you're trying to help some kids and youth in this, don't be afraid to be creative. Find your own movements. Have the kids choose their own movements or give movement ideas. The idea is just to just keep moving. So to recap the sciencey end of things, I really just wanted to bring some awareness to the physical literacy as well as all of the other benefits that movement and exercise has in our daily lives. Whether you're a child or an adult, all of these things can help benefit you in many ways. Not only physically, but mentally, brain function, emotionally, and just overall happiness and quality of life. Like my main goal is, is I want to be able to help everyone achieve the very best person that they can be, specifically in that health, fitness, and wellness world. So like I said before, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you are determined to learn, no one can stop you. Let me know if you guys have any questions. Again, this was just a brief explanation of what my thesis was about. But if you'd like more information or are interested in any of the topics that we talked about, reach out. My contact information is in the show notes below. Thanks so much for listening and excited for our next episode.